So I reckon I've thought of the least appealing possible theme for a Pixar film. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's usually like, you know, take a varied subset of everyday items and then make them sentient. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the cast I've come up with is the cuts of meat in a butcher's shop and not even a good butcher's shop. Mm. So you've got like <laughs> the mints played by Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> you've got like a big steak played by John Cena. <laughs> this is actually good. I would watch this. Yeah, this you're is more DreamWorks this. than Pixar. <laughs> and like Kathy Griffin is some chicken. Uh, <laughs> some some chicken, like a, a plate of breasts. Like, yeah. No. <laughs> and then Danny DeVito playing a big bitter liver that should have been sold three days ago. <laughs> and it's like the gross one. <laughs> and what? And are they just hanging out? What's the like? And there'd is, be what's like the trailer. There'd be about six sausages as well, all played by different rappers. Hmm. Uh, the okay. trailer would be. Well, I'm still trying to think of the name. I'm stuck between meet and greet. Mm-hmm. Um, through the butcher's window, which I just like as a phrase, <laughs> and meet colon the parents. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the the trailer would be like. Imagine this in Pixar animation. It's like 5am on a February morning in like a bleak, like, East Midlands market town. Yeah. And it's just like the outside of a high street in like a flickering fluorescent lamp, uh, just illuminating sort of a a large, morose, sweating man in a striped <laughs> apron as he just like... <laughs> Hacks artlessly away at a leg of mutton. Is the mutton with... alive while he's doing this? <laughs> well, not to him. It's just like silence and like the of the light. Yeah. But then it like cuts to the mints, like Christ Henry, <laughs> and yeah, they're all just <laughs> shrieking. Oh, actually, that's not very Pixar, is it? It's just sheer so horror. Trying. To escape, right? Because it sounds like you're basically pitching that awful Seth Rogen film about sausages in a supermarket. I am, aren't I? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, forget about it.
Hello and welcome to this episode 171 of the Electronic Wireless Show podcast. This is the best inventories in games special and this is Rock Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast and the only podcast you need in my opinion, which is that of Alice Bell and I'm joined this week by Rubber Chicken. (laughs) Well, the the podcasting thing we use is it doesn't allow the length of the full title Rubber Chicken with a pulley in the middle, which is what I was going for. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Legit. <laughs> and Mr. Bags. I'm uh, Mr. Moneybags is uh much poorer cousin. Oh, so you're just a regular bag. It's Mr. Bags. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite sinister. Sorry. Yeah. Um uh how are you both this week? Good, thank you. Um, I didn't have any altercations in the cinema, so that makes this, you know, infinitely better than last week. Very good. Yeah. Nate, how are you? I'm all right. I'm a bit sleeperino, so I've been, um, yeah, I've been doing quite a lot of writing the last few days. So I'm, uh, as they say in France, a bit shagged out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I did, I did want to raise that this in the, uh, discord. Uh, the RPS Discord, there is a room for talking about the podcast. And uh, there's some discussion that maybe Henry Cavill is secretly a listener um, to the podcast. Uh, I think, as suggested by uh, some uh, a listener, I can't remember who it was, I'm sorry, but I think we should try and get Henry Cavill on. So. I 100% think we should get Vitamin H on the show, yeah. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> I was going to email his management company, but then I thought, I think we need to build up some uh, talking about Henry Cavill on the show, just to say. Oh, absolutely. Mm. (laughs) So from now on, we have to mention Henry Cavill every week. Someone has to try and remember to look up what Henry's been up to. (laughs) What we should do, should make a little sting called like, here comes the cavalry. (laughs) I don't know. I, he strikes me as someone who isn't into wordplay. What? Like, no, no I, would, I can see that. I can imagine he would find it frivolous. Left. He's quite, he's quite like to the point. I think he'd do one of those sort of like inextravagant little frowns. Mm. Like, oh, that's a bit much. <laughs> so you think Henry Cavill doesn't like puns? Well, this is one yet. Yeah, Yet one more of the important questions we need to ask him, because uh, we also need to uh, confirm his tastes viz Warhammer. Um, yes. And we yeah, want to I... know if he reads any of your books, Nate. Well, uh, we need to bully him into that specifically. Yeah. Can you okay. imagine trying to bully Henry Cavill, like trying to eat a pub? It would wash off him because he went to an all boys school as well. Oh yeah, like, he's a like, he's a really like like deadly combination because he has he's into all like the nerdy crap that I'm into, but it's yeah. kind of wrapped in this you know very confident, competent rap. Like it's it's very rare that someone who carries themselves like that has has this particular set of interests. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, because he, he used to be uh, 
I believe I don't know how overweight, but he used to be a bit overweight because he revealed on the Graham Norton show that his nickname at said school was Fat Cavill, which is <laughs> which That's wild. I know, which suggests that he's hopefully you know not a beast, and you know I don't know, be a nice man as well. Because I've se- I've seen like he was in films when he was a teenager. Um, he's in the Count of Monte Cristo adaptation from the very early noughties. And he must be like 15, 16 there. And like, you know, he's a much better looking 15, 16 year old than I was. (laughs) If you can can believe that. Just like a school for the impossibly slender. (laughs) Just like children slithering through pipes and like swaying in the breeze. And he was normal sized. Yeah. So, oi, bloatus. (laughs) <laughs> Bet you can't fit through this tube. That's what happened to me when I was born. I was a normal-sized baby, but I was having problems breathing, so they put me in an incubator in the preemie ward. And it, oh, so like it a was like, egg. so well, it was like loads of little tiny, you know, uh, impossibly small fey babies, and then me, a normal-sized grub, writhing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pay for you. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Well, we're agreed then. The campaign, the cavil pain starts now. Send in the cavalry. Oh, it, would be, it would be so good. I feel terrible when he's on TV and people sort of, I don't think snidely. I think this is the generation of people who just don't get video games and they can't help but sound incredulous when they ask him about it. And he yeah. ends up being this sort of, weird sort of impromptu defender of all video games like he's he's become the celebrity spokesperson for video games where actually i think and nerd stuff yeah um uh yeah. i know that S- sam mendes uh the film director likes red dead redemption too <laughs> <laughs> uh the geezer what's he what's he called uh lego batman uh job from rest of development uh, oh yeah geezer. yeah uh massive massive games lad is he yeah, um, I can't remember his name. Will Arnett. Yes, yeah. Love, loves a bit of the old video Grahams. <laughs> Someone the other day asked me um, if I uh, wrote a book that was recorded into an audio book, who I would want to read it, and I panicked and said Will Arnett. <laughs> but that's a good idea. It's a really good idea. You open um, up to a different audience. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, no, it, that was pointed out in the Discord as well, that like it doesn't feel like there'd be many authentic kind of chilled out nerd f- friends for him to hang out with in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he could become friends with us. Yeah, I mean, there's Vin Diesel, but I love Vin Diesel to bits. I just can't imagine having a normal time with him. <laughs> I just imagine like walking into his house and it's like really dark. And he's got his Chronicles of Riddick goggles on. Oh, and he's like, hey, and you don't know if he's in character or not. <laughs> <laughs> but, Nate, I I don't want to alarm you by saying this, but you realise that you are that friend oh, yeah. for a lot of people. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like the, I think the last time you came to an event with us, it was... It was either EGX or Rezzed, and then I didn't see you or one of our HR people for, like, many hours. And then the next day, you were like, oh, we tried to get to a party somewhere else. 
and then we got lost and then we were really hungry. So you like bought a party sandwich platter from Tesco's and then we're like walking around eating sandwiches just by the Thames trying to find oh, somewhere was, to go. It was lovely, yeah. Just like polished off 24 small triangular sandwiches on the South Bank. In the winter. <laughs> lovely <laughs> stuff. <laughs> like something strange will happen. Hanging That's... out with you, like the time it was another office party, <laughs> and we were doing karaoke, and you were changing the words of every song to include either ham or eggs or both. Oh yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> quite. I got, I got quite impassioned, didn't I? Yeah, someone else came in and was just sat watching, and I was like, "What do you want to sing a song? Do you, like do some karaoke?" And they were like, "This isn't the room where you do karaoke." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There was an energy in there, wasn't there? <laughs> I think it was, the one I remember most clearly was Don't Stop Me Now, but about boiling an egg. <laughs> like, 200 degrees, that's the temperature you boil an egg. <laughs> I do this at home as well, um, and my daughter now, often when music is on, just starts excitedly bellowing, Boil an egg! <laughs> that's nice. So, that's some yeah. good programming. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's a good Pavlovian response right there. Passing on the curse. <laughs> uh, I've not got any adventures this week. Although, uh, as we record this, as this goes out, it will have been my birthday yesterday. So this is oh, happy Christmas, Alice! Thank you. Thirty-two you years old. One? God, you're uh, very young. I assumed, you. <laughs> I assumed you were an identical age to me. Oh, well well done. I, I sort of assume that about anyone I speak to as well. Um, oh, but yeah, thir- 32. I will hopefully have had a nice birthday. Wonderful. Thank you. Do you, Thank still, you. Do you still get pumped for birthdays? No, I'm at oh. that age where I just... And because I have so many competing, uh, you know, chronic illnesses, just all of which make me tired, the idea of having a party is horrifying <laughs> so i just want people to send me lots of presents basically <laughs> yeah. um and i think Wait, i'm gonna I... have a very big waffle with ice cream that's my plan everyone says this ever that you know it's kind of like the thing that when you get to a certain age birthdays are dead and uh, you know i'd say the one the one good thing to have come out of all this um uh, Boris Johnson's endless COVID breaking restriction uh, def- defying is um, that it's proof that you can be older and still enjoy party. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> that he still gets off on a cake in his 50s. Like that's that's like a good sign for me because I also really like my birthday. And, me too, actually. You know, I, I like to be celebrated, and you know, <laughs> you know, as 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 much as I as I want the dope gone, um, a little bit of me is like, oh well, there is that. You know. There's that. Well, don't get me like I'd like a cake as well. I just don't want to share it with anyone else. It's fine if you all want to bring a cake to my flat and then watch me eat all of it and then leave. <laughs> when I, I think um, that'd be all right, actually. <laughs> When I left, uh, when when I used to work over at the Yogscast, and I left there, they got me a tray of this chocolate brownie from a sandwich shop that I really like their brownies, <laughs> and it was just a whole tray of it. And in my head, I was like, "This is amazing. This is going to keep me in brownies for so long. I'm going to eat all of this." And then I realised they'd sort of bought it so that I could kind of offer it around the office, and it was a big office. 
um, with lots of basically children because it's a YouTube company. Yeah. So they all eat <laughs> lots of brownies. So I sort of begrudgingly was like, does anyone, <laughs> does anyone want a little bit? And to see my precious brownie tray. I mean, I still had loads <laughs> left over. I still probably had more brownie left over than you're meant to consume in your entire life. Um, but it was kind of a bittersweet moment. <laughs> I'm going to have a ruddy bloody brownie this afternoon. Oh, I love a brownie. Mm. Oh. <laughs> oh. 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 How many brownies do you reckon you could fit in your pockets, Matthew? Well, it depends what I'm wearing. 90s cargo pants. If, if I'm wearing my <laughs> modified brownie trousers, <laughs> then the answer brown is trousers. a load. <laughs> it's brown trousers time, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> leaping through the plate glass window of a bakery. <laughs> Mints played by Vincent D'Onofrio runs after him with a carrier bag. <laughs> Mincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> yes! Yes! That's the character he'd play in it. He'd be called Mincent. Oh, yes! no. We have to do a t shirt now that has, like, Vincent D'Onofrio. Mints with the energy of Kingpin from Marvel. Like, yeah, a load of mints in a <laughs> in a in a white suit and a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> preposterous, <laughs> truly preposterous. Uh, well, I ask because this is, of course, uh, the episode uh, about inventories. <laughs> oh, <laughs> son of a gun! Segway. Brilliant. Yeah, it was a subtle one. Actually, it was really good. So I did say when I proposed this uh, thing that we could do a sidebar about terrible inventories because nobody thinks about inventories being good in games. They're usually something that you complain about. Yes? Um, no? Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, they're often the worst. Because it's like the classic kind of, you know, inventory jigsaw and, you know, a Knife takes up two squares. Oh, but I like I do. Oh, like I love that. that. It's, yeah, that's the problem. But, yeah, like because I grew up playing Diablo. I I like an an inventory jigsaw. So, yeah. but uh, but there are some like I I don't like a puzzle game inventory where you have to scroll through everything along the top bar. Not a fan of that. Yeah. You get less of that now. I feel like that sort of that sort of died out with the golden age of point and click games. That now you rarely have more than a screen's worth of inventory. It's almost like people are embarrassed yeah. to have you combining like string in a comb to make a hat or something. <laughs> I honestly, I I think the whole concept of inventories is always going to be overshadowed by disappointment for me. Because uh, I'm very, when I was very young, I cannot remember what game it was, but it was like in the sort of tutorial of 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 the game, and some NPC was like, "Now it's time to go to your inventory," <coughs> and I thought it was going to be some sort of sick laboratory. Oh no! Because uh. <laughs> the character I was playing conceivably could have had a lab. Uh, and I thought they were going to do some wild on-screen science, but instead it was just a grid with some items. Oh, Nate, yeah. I'm so sorry. 
Yeah, dip me in a bit. Um, I think because I mainly started out playing point and click games, I'm I'm still like I I, I don't mind a vast screens of nonsense. I quite like it. I I was you know one of those idiots who thought like the more items you had, that was the sort of sign of the quality of the game. You know. <laughs> Like yeah, I was a person does. who'd read the back of the box and it would say, This game's got like three hundred like locations. I'd be like, Yes, so much game, so much work. Now we're talking. It does, I think, playing a lot of point and click games uh when you're younger does make you quite good at escape rooms. Cause immediately, like you go into an escape room and you find a magnet on a bit of string, you know you've got to dangle that magnet into something. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> Yeah. I've got to pick up a key with this immediately. Every um, time I do an escape room, I I just start hard role playing, and I'm what? almost useless for the the puzzles. But I really add a sense of, you know, atmosphere. Unfortunately, for playing all those point and click games, whenever I can't work something out, I say that doesn't work over and over again. <laughs> doesn't and everyone else is like oh jesus christ i'm like well now you know how i felt like for most of my teenage years <laughs> what well, when you say hard role playing Nate, can you give me an example we um me and some friends did the uh the warhammer escape room in nottingham which is like you're on a knackered 40k spaceship and you got to get out and i was just role playing uh, a, a very very thick very very frightened janitor <laughs> Right. Um, so I was, I, I, was, I was just sort of talking like a farm yokel and 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 worrying about shadows because I just couldn't work out the puzzles. Um, I'm rubbish <laughs> at stuff like that, and I thought that was probably what I could add to the situation. So uh, yeah, it was quite fun. Play to your strengths, yeah. And then I, I, I decided to to just because uh, it was like. There were horrible chaos mutants implied to be on the ship. Uh, so I decided halfway through to have a moment of theological inspiration uh, and just start getting really enthusiastically into the idea of chaos. Um, Great. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine I would have been shot after escaping. <laughs> I. This is a sidebar in a sidebar, but I genuinely uh, am friends with one of the the country's most well-regarded escape room designers. Um, and he's one of the lads that brought back the crystal maze in London. Uh, and the amount of like uh, planning and sort of uh, uh, built-in redundancies for people just being rubbish is amazing. It's really interesting. He's really good at like structures in storytelling and stuff and, and things. Um, you know that that quite recent um, Stallone and Schwarzenegger film about a guy who's like escape plan. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd love to see a version of that about Alice's friend, where like <laughs> people hire him to get out of an impossible escape room <laughs> in order to improve the design of their escape room. Yeah. <laughs> they can't escape. And Sylvester Stallone's there. And, and Sylvester Stallone's just there. <laughs> He's just in the room. I wonder where the hardest escape room in the world is. I don't know. I'll ask him. I'll text him and see, I'll text him now and see if we get a response by the end of the... Uh... I wanna, oh, yeah. What's that... Um... 
What's that like impossible test they have to pass in Star Trek to oh, be a Kobayashi? Captain? Kobayashi, yeah, Kobayashi Maru. Yeah, yeah, I want the escape room equivalent of that, where it's just okay. really high pressure and everyone absolutely borks it. Uh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> While I'm doing this, what is a, a game inventory that you do actually think is good and so, like? I'm going to uh, honor honor Graham Smith here. Um, game he introduced me to. Uh, Neo Scavenger, you played that old chestnut? I haven't. It's a weird old game. It's like, uh, imagine if Cormac McCarthy's The Road was adapted as a farce. Right. Um, it's it's like this, uh, I guess it's kind of a, a Fallout type setting. Um, and... It's a top-down grid thing, quite simple visually, and you're a, a, a bloke wandering around in the apocalypse trying not to die. <clears throat> and the survival simulation is just astonishingly brutal. Mm. Um, and one element of it I adore is the inventory system, because uh, you you have piss-all space. It like really... It, it's totally unforgiving in every aspect. You just can't carry much. Uh, but one of the tricks is you can pick up plastic bags, which only occupy one square in your inventory, but then you can unrumple them. Uh-huh. And they have about 16 squares in them that you can carry other things in. Oh. But they can break, dropping things on the floor, and then you have nowhere to put them again which is very funny visually when you imagine someone being chased by a cannibal through the rain, both of them limping because of infected leg wounds, uh, and his sleep his his carrier bag splits, dropping his sleeping bag into the rain. You know, it's it's, it's horrific, but also there's some real physical comedy in that. Uh, but what a good idea! We yeah, it's so satisfying. Having a balled up plastic bag and un- unrolling it. Uh, that's a sidebar within a sidebar, an inventory within an inventory. Loved it. Yeah. That's like the, the bag of holding you can get in, in fantasy games. Although a oh, bag of holding unlike, is just actually. a bag. Yeah. In, um, to bring it around, back around to the point and click stuff, in the Discworld point and click <laughs> game, your inventory was the luggage. Um, so it was like a living, you know, a character, but like a living inventory. I think I think Rinswin could have like a few items on him, but he had like a limit. And but then he had infinite space inside the luggage. And I think the luggage was also the solution to some of the puzzles. I think you could like interact with it as a physical object itself. I always thought that was quite cool. Oh, that's cool. I love the luggage. Yeah, I was finding it quite creepy, probably because of those games. Like in the books, I was just like, oh yeah, it's the luggage. Uh, but when you see it with all those little legs, you're like, it's quite unholy. <laughs> like the yeah. idea of like this this treasure chest with lots of feet. <laughs> well, I well, always so... think with something like that, what's the skeletal structure? It's... Well, I don't know, because it's made of sapient pear wood. I know, Are I the remember legs that. wood, though? Mm. It just has hundreds of little legs, little feet. Yeah, it doesn't really su- In the yeah. game, they're quite fleshy, I think. They, they're, it's, they're, yeah. they look like children's feet. And they can sort of retract so that it's just a case again. So are there like 
sockets in the wood for the bone. It's magic, Nate. There is someone, it's a sidebar into a sidebar again, but someone has started uh, a project called Lego Ankh Morpork and they're trying to make the city out of Lego. Germany um, cricket. Based on descriptions for the books because there isn't obviously an official Lego version of it. Um, so they've done a version of the mended drum so far and they're putting um, the designs online for free gradually i think the first one they put up is splatter the uh the troll who's the security troll in the mended drum um oh that so, sounds brilliant yeah yeah it's good, so good. Oh, i used yeah. to be so into discord it's the one thing in my life where i think i was so obsessed with it as a teenager and i have so little to do with it now like it's it's the only obsession in my life i've kind of stepped away from i should probably get back into it because it was absolutely amazing uh, so I've got a bunch of stuff. I've got like, the uh, the Discworld shop, um, which is I think it's the Guild of they call themselves the Guild of something. But there's uh, they've got like I really want to get. Basically, they're republishing the each of the books in a really lovely like cloth bound yeah um, versions, and you can buy them all. But it's quite a lot of money, so I, I might I don't know once once I've fin- moved because I'm in the middle of packing moving, I might buy them. But uh, there's that, and they do amazing jigsaws that are like look like big tomes themselves and stuff. I've got loads of loads of them. I love Discord. Oh, that's nice. I want to get a tattoo of the death of rats. <laughs> I was in a we we did a school production of Soul Music. Were you in it? Very nice. Yeah, I was a, uh, only a tiny part because I was <laughs> to acting. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was uh, I was one of the Clatchian Foreign Legion. <laughs> I was like Foreign Legion at number two for like one <laughs> scene. You can talk, you can share stories of treading the boards with Henry when he comes on. <laughs> yeah, I like, oh yes, <laughs> I played the part of Foreign Legion at two in, in, in the Allsort school production of <laughs> soul music in, in 1999, <laughs> whatever. I was a munchkin in our school production of The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> nice. I was always the... F- narrator <laughs> were you yeah well this is like a um primary primary school i guess um always wanted to do do just a role but i always just had to be the bell end stuck on the side uh because the only little that could enunciate yeah <laughs> the curse of good reading comprehension yeah bad bad times i got to play um Year seven, secondary school, uh, I got to play Rose, the head prefect in um, the Demon Headmaster. Oh. oh, did really well actually. It's good. <laughs> I I actually look back on different things I did in school productions. I was a, I was a foreign legionnaire, an undertaker. Um, The Undertaker in Oliver Twist. Remember him? (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, where he slams Oliver Twist 18 feet off a steel cage. Not that that Undertaker. (laughs) It was a a very radical reworking of Oliver Twist where everyone was a wrestler. By God, that's Fagan's music. (laughs) You got to pick a pocket or two. Uh, and, Boy, uh, has no family. 
Marvellous. <laughs> Scarlet's my witness. That child is broken in half. <laughs> <laughs> that has to happen. Why is why has National Theatre not done that? Because <laughs> they could throw him off the the drum revolve they could put a stage on oh my god a cage on the, they could like a cage could rise out of the floor it would be incredible i really honestly genuinely with all my heart do not know why no one has staged a a shakespeare in a in a wrestling promotion a uh, white what I've mangled that question. Basically, why no one has has done, you know, like, a wrestling pay per view for like King Lear, Montagues and Capulets as, uh, you know, wrestling tag teams kind of thing. Yeah, I, I I was thinking of Lear as a sort of a Vince McMahon figure. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, has he got I lots can... of daughters? Uh, he's got a lot of wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He's got a daughter who is married to one of the wrestlers. Who's the Who's the Hamlet of wrestling? The Hamlet of wrestling. Uh, probably um... Triple H. <laughs> no, no, he's more. I reckon he's like the Othello of wrestling. Um... He's Hamlet. Oh, um, pipe bomb monologue guy, Sir CM Punk. CM Punk, you think? Interesting. Yeah, well, because he's introspective and weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we've talked about two games. So... <laughs> Go on, Matthew, um, your turn. Okay, I've got, sort of, I've got some more inventories. Did either of you play the Alone in the Dark reboot in the early, oh, uh, mid noughties probably around 2008, 2009? Oh, no. no. So it had this... I thought in the run-up was going to be really cool, but ended up being just a bit of a pain in the ass. It had this... Um, all your items were basically inside like a uh, your coat. Like, imagine you're wearing like a sort of flasher mac. And to look, at, to look <laughs> yeah. in your inventory, you basically... Because the game's in first person, you basically look down at your body and open up your coat and then look around the pockets in first person and sort of reach oh, cool. and get stuff. Oh, but, that's brilliant. But it did have it did have the vibe of like a, you know, you want to buy a watch kind of thing. <laughs> you know, it was, it had a, like a, in third person, it would have looked ridiculous. This person constantly wrenching open their jacket and having a good look at themselves. Was it a bit like that Bananas Jurassic Park game? Yeah, it has a bit of oh. trespasser energy to it. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you could like, yeah, combine various things, and it, it helped that it was, you know, it was mainly like you had like bottles of spirits that you could turn into Molotov cocktails and like a torch and things. It wasn't like a, you know, point and click. Really, you know, you didn't have all this mad nonsense hanging inside your coat. But um, I kind of like it when people try and do like in-world inventory stuff rather mm. than just sort of an abstract menu screen. Yeah, yeah, Cause, um, like because Skyrim just has a list, doesn't it? Like a, oh, a text it's just, I don't know, it's, it's like efficiency probably when you've got that many objects. But there's something quite fun about trying to mix it up. In um, again, I this... get a real thrill from things being needlessly diegetic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. The the be- probably the best example of this is in um, Fable Three, where 
your inventory is a location that you physically walk around. Um, it's like a, I think it's meant to be like the guild room or like the heroes guild. And you basically teleport to this, to this space where if you want to change clothes, you have to go into a dressing room and like oh, I remember that. Yeah. deal with these mannequins. And for some reason, <laughs> there's a butler living in the inventory played by um, John Cleese. Um, so, yeah, it's so every strange. time you go into the inventory, you've got John Cleese being like, Oh, it's you again, is it? You know, oh god, you know, I've had out to here with you and all this kind of stuff. And but, and for the first couple of times, you're like, Oh, this is really neat. And then you realize that, you know, if you want to get like a freaking apple or something, you have to load in a location and go into a room, and pick it up. And you're like, This isn't <laughs> this just isn't efficient. <laughs> That's that's very uh, flawed. Even John Cleese being like, "Well, this is a bit rubbish, isn't it?" And you're like, "Yeah, it is." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know yeah, John. about Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, pipe down, old timer. <laughs> it had the mo- when you got money in that game. One of the rooms in the inventory was a vault, and the money physically piled up. So oh, at God, the start, you, you have to like. To, say, to save your kingdom, you need X amount Millions. of money. Yeah, like the second half of the game is about making money. Um, but at the start, because that mechanic isn't, it hasn't really kicked off. Um, you've just got this really impressive vault, and it's got like ten coins in the middle of it. And yeah. every time you go in there, it really bums you out. But you're like, oh god, it's like the anti version of the Scrooge McDuck vault. It's, it's like <laughs> a, you're like, oh, those of this, you know, this is just. I feel very, very poor for a long time in that game, and then the money starts coming in. That mm-hmm. game, incidentally, the way to save the world and get the best possible outcome is you basically have to become the best um, landlord in in the yeah. world. You just have to buy all the houses and rent everything out. It's literally yeah. a game where you rent your way to like a moral victory. It's very strange messaging. I don't think it's fly yeah. today. It's a capitalist kind of well, because the idea like. You, you, your print, your king is the king is your brother, and you overthrow him because he's terrible, and he's like forcing urchins to work in factories and stuff to get as much money as possible, and you overthrow him by promising to be nicer than him, and then you find out the reason he's horrible is because he's trying to defeat, he's he's desperately trying to get enough money to defeat the great darkness coming from across, you know, the sea. <laughs> Kind of thing. Uh, and it's it's a bit like, such oh, a okay. Molyneux idea, isn't it? Yeah, all right, Molyneux. Uh, and I suppose the idea is that, like, you know, are you going to try and be good? Uh, but if you if you are, essentially, if you're not a Tory, then you will lose the game kind of thing. It's very weird. Um, but uh, your brother, the evil king, is Michael Fassbender. <laughs> it has got a, it's got a weirdly starry cast. Uh, weird. So Ben Kingsley's in it. Is he? Yeah, he's like uh, this sort of head of like the sort of sort of gypsy encampment type group. There's like a tribe of like sort of travellers, um, and yeah, that's Ben Kingsley. What a stacked cast! Yeah, Fassbender, Kingsley, they got the lot. Cleese. I missed this entirely because <laughs> I don't like. What's his face? Um, uh. I can't remember. It's always had people in it. Like Jonathan Ross was in in them a bit. Mm. Uh, Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry's in all of them. Yeah, but I didn't realise it had got Kingsley. Yeah. He's only got like five lines in the whole thing. It's a really underwhelming... I replayed it last year and it's a really like underwhelming performance from him. Mm. It's Ben Kingsley putting on a 
a very heavy Welsh accent. What? Yeah, I can't really imagine. Is it as heavy as my Anthony Hopkins? Yeah, one? But yeah, and it's like yeah, it's very much like that. They should have just gone all. The way. They should have just got Hopkins for it. He should be in the uh, meet Pixar as well. Yeah, mm. as, as playing some salami. Did you did you see that story this week about oh what's her name the really wholesome American cook um oh, oh chef celebrity chef uh, Martha, Martha Stewart Martha Stewart she yeah. used to date Anthony Hopkins did she yeah really? and she said that she that I think the story doing the rounds was that she stopped dating him when she saw Science of the Lambs she said it creeped him out. <laughs> <laughs> Does she no way. acting? Yeah, I think that's right. I it was like unless I was taken in by like a one of those dodgy news story clickbait links that gets like auto populated at the bottom of websites. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, what times? Okay, I'm going to throw in. Uh, I um, this might be cheating a bit because I've chosen a couple of things to talk about that where the inventory is sort of a big part of the game. Um, so Moonlighter. Do either of you play Moonlighter? No, no. What's Moonlighter? So Moonlighter is during the day you run a shop, uh, and you have to like put things in your shop and you price them based on the demand and you know what people want and you have to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, it's a it's quite uh basic, but you it, it, it economic system. So it's not like you have to like look at charts or anything, but you just look at like what people are buying and how happy they are with your prices and you know the rarity of the item. Uh, and price them and sell them. And then at night, you uh, go into a dungeon to collect the things that you're selling. So um, you have to choose basically what you're going to take back from from your nights adventuring and killing monsters. Uh, and early on, you can only sort of get like sticks and things, basically. But as you go deeper, you get more valuable things. And if you die, you won't have, you'll leave everything you've collected so it's this kind of um, uh, sort of gamble, like, sh- shall I do another room or should I go mm. back now? Uh, so that I, sounds I really like fun. That. Yeah, it's cool. I, I, I didn't play much of it. Did you ever uh, play any Outward? No. That sort of slightly survivally RPG. It's kind of like, uh, I guess you'd probably describe it as like a grounded sort of open world RPG in terms of it takes sort of physics and and it has it basically has survival elements to make you to, to make you kind of like think quite carefully about every step you you take and in that you've got a backpack that fills up with stuff but you can physically take off the backpack to make ah. yourself like nimbler in combat because it's obviously very heavy and slows you down. So you have to, like, hide it, you know, put it in places where you think it'll be safe and then, you know, fight a load of goblins. But I like the idea of, like, a, your, your inventory being a physical weight in the world that you yeah. have to kind of take into consideration. Yeah, because, like, in a lot of RPGs, it's just, like, you can't carry anymore now, and if you go over your carry weight, you're just slow. But rather than sort of... Well, just the idea that, like, carrying anything is a pain in the arse. Yeah. You know, like if I have any, you know, I, I, I even notice it if I've got like a something heavy in like a coat pocket. I'm like, oh, God, what pain. And then I'm in a video game and I'm carrying around like an entire elk, <laughs> you know, and it's fine. 
Uh, and the other one that I've brought up uh, to talk about is Wilmot's Warehouse. Oh, yeah. Is, is Wilmot's Warehouse itself not an inventory that you organise and that's the game? It's just one big, one big Ooh. kind of inventory Tetris. Mindbuster. Yeah, mm. there you go. I've pulled a Nate. <laughs> yeah, that you've, you've, you've blown open the paradigm. Oh, play Wilmot's Warehouse if you haven't, listener. It's so lovely. It's in Wilmer's warehouse. You're a little, uh, a little. What are you? A robot? A are robot? you Wilmot? Or do you? <laughs> no, you're, you're you're very definitely not a robot. You're a mun. You're a mun. Okay, so in Wilmer's warehouse, you're you're a mun, and uh, you get every day you get a delivery of more things that come off the back of a truck, and they're all little cubes that are the same shape as you. And you can only carry a certain amount, so you have to put them away in your warehouse, which initially is obviously very big and empty. And the other end of the warehouse, that during your day shift, people will come and ask you to get stuff. So they'll say, I want one of the, you know, the boot and two of the, the circle that looks like an orange slice or whatever. And you have to go and get them as quickly as possible. So the game is in how you choose to store them and categorize them, and people do it in different ways. It's fan- fantastic. It, 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 I swear, like you could use Wilmot's Warehouse as a sort of like humane, enlightened version of the Myers Briggs test, because, like, yeah, as you say, it just everyone does it in a different way because there's so many different things you can prioritize. You know, either ease of putting things away, ease of getting things out, uh, like taxonomic logic. It's just the same as the Kobayashi Maru. (laughs) Yeah, it's the Kobayashi Maru for boxes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, speaking of, my friend has texted me back. He's in the middle of sending quite a few texts, basically. Uh, Because I asked him, what is... The hardest escape room in the world, like the Kobayashi Maru escape rooms. And he said, I have an opinionated response on this. Difficulty is not generally something escape rooms do, or in my opinion, should strive for. Any idiot can write an impossible puzzle. The skill lies in writing a puzzle that the average person can solve in five minutes. But also, people don't like to fail at things, and an escape room that everyone failed at would sell quite terribly. I don't think the market is sufficiently advanced to have a room that is marketed based on its difficulty, although I'm sure someone's tried. Some rooms are harder than others and do market that, but it's usually in the context of a larger escape room centre with multiple games. I mean, I think that's a brilliant answer, and I respect his professionalism, but can you ask him what the hardest one in the world is? (laughs) Yeah, that isn't what we asked. We asked what is the hardest one, (laughs) not where the one should exist. Jesus, what a buzzkill. I'll I'll get an answer from from him next week. (laughs) All right, yeah. That's like whenever, whenever I ask any of my like theoretical questions to like an actual scientist, they always give a reasonable answer. I'm like, yeah, but if a gorilla was made of gravy, <laughs> I wouldn't just say like, oh, there's one that's made of ice and it like melts over an hour or something like that. <laughs> that was the answer I wanted. Um, but... Well, I do know that they they couldn't have the the. They wanted to have the watery world in um, the uh, 
the new version of um, the Crystal, Crystal Maze. Maze. But, they, yeah. but they couldn't because it's a big Oceanic insurance. Zone. Yeah, they couldn't have the Oceanic Zone because it's a big insurance risk having that much standing water that's uh, accessed by so many members of the public every day. Uh, so that's that's a, that's one thing I do know. Uh, but he's not, in, in fairness, uh, he is not uh, the, like... A buzzkill. He's one of the most fun people oh, I know. I'm just... only joking. I, I really appreciate <laughs> him offering his, his <laughs> deep, thoughtful answer. He's a very fresh man. He says, in Europe, the games that have big reputations, uh, ones that are very entertaining, e.g. one called The Dome in the Netherlands. Americans are more into uh, the difficulty thing, but their market is much more disparate than ours. <laughs> well. See, he knows so much. I also know the, the guy that is the emoji translator who turned into a, a meme uh, he's very clever and did not deserve to be mocked for knowing about emojis. Look at, look at all this name dropping. I'm not dropping their names. I'm dropping oh, their well, you know, <laughs> association dropping. Uh, this, this. Listen, you're dropping something. I don't I'm know what drop, it is. I'm dropping something. <laughs> dropping I don't it. know what it is, but I'm dropping it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll ask. I'll ask him what. I'll ask Brains what the. Uh, the best emoji is, shall I? What's the hardest emoji to translate? <laughs> um, any more for any more in terms of uh, your inventory chat? Yeah, shout out to the original uh, XCOM UFO defense slash enemy unknown. Um, that There was a lot of inventory management in that game. Um you could see it as a game about defending the Earth from aliens. You, you could see it as a, a game about packing for a weekend break in Stockholm. Um, it was all, you know, carefully lining up your missiles and your launchers and all the high explosives that took two slots horizontally were always so satisfying. Yeah, could have done so many useful things in my life with the hours I've spent arranging missiles in XCOM. <laughs> Very good. Uh, anything else to add, Matthew? No, I've, I've I feel like I've I've got I've de- I've delivered all my hot inventory takes. They were good. There were some good takes. Well, in that case, then uh, I shall ask you lads to prepare uh, a sting. The cavern of lies. Alrighty. So, welcome to my cavern this week, fellas. Mm. Uh, I'm Hello. a bit worried about it because I think Matthew might rumble it. But uh, <laughs> in this cavern, uh, there are some obstacles, and uh, in front of each obstacle are the the ingredients that you will need to form an item to get past that obstacle. Okay. So these are all from point-and-click games, basically. So, one of them is fake that I've made up, and uh, you need to find the fake one, because in that one, the obstacle isn't real, and you can just walk through it. But if you pick one that is actually real, then you will get gazumped by the obstacle. Does that make sense? So we're trying to pick the, the fake. So we yeah. can use that. Okay, yeah. 
Okay. I think I get it. I'm sure I'll pick it up as we go along. So, all right. Which one should I do first? We'll do the first one. I'm sure you get it. So, uh, so you walk up to the first obstacle, um, and it is a a glowing green soul trapped in a bottle, and you need to swap it out successfully to huh. to get past. Um, so to do that, you need. A bottle, a green bottle that you fill up with water, regular blue water, and then mix with saffron, uh, because saffron mixed into water will make it glow green. And then you can swap that out and get past with your glowing green soul in a bottle. So is this a puzzle from a point and click game? That's what we've got to work out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's from Limbo of the Lost from 2008, a game Ooh. that... Uh, Famously stole all its assets from other games. Well, I was going to say I can't. Hmm. I've I've not played it. Um, saffron glows in water. Is that a fact or is that like a bullshit fact from the game? That's just what happens in the game. I don't know if it's. I'm pretty sure it doesn't in real life. So there'd be yeah, a character does, nearby who'd be like, "If you love saffron, it makes water glow," or something. I think the logic <laughs> is that yellow saffron. Uh, mixed in blue water will, through a green glass bottle, look like a glowing green soul, I believe. This is, if this is fake, it's a very weird thing to make up. <laughs> I mean, well, you well, could just use at... piss, couldn't you? I mean, I, depends um, on the kind of game that you're playing. But It also depends on how hydrated you are day to day. Okay, next obstacle. Is a a sort of a, a, an outcrop of rock uh, that is over a T Rex is just standing there, um, and you need to uh, combine a teddy bear which you've already made using uh, ingredients like you know uh, shining stones for its eyes and crystal fluff for the stuffing. Uh, you need to combine that teddy bear with a stick um, to so you can jump on the T Rex's back. And then hold the teddy bear in front of it and steer it. Uh, if you do well, not dinosaurs combine, dinosaurs don't like toys. Well, I guess yeah. If you do not combine the teddy bear with the stick before jumping on the Tyrannosaurus' back, you will die. The Tyrannosaurus Rex will eat you. Mm. What yeah. game is this from? That's from the Legends of Kyrandia, the Hand of Fate, Book Four. Two, the Hand of Fate. Oh, Christ, <laughs> never even heard of that. <laughs> oh, it just no. It w- wouldn't want to eat a teddy bear. It would want to eat like a lamb. Well, you know, yeah, but like point. point and click games are also like nonsense, aren't they? So, <laughs> yeah, I'm just on oh, a stranger got, in a strange land here. You just got meat on the brain. Yeah, I've, I think you've I've got quite... your big Pixar pitch meeting later today. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh... yeah, yeah, I'm going to need your intuition on this one, Matthew. Okay. Okay. Puzzle number three, or obstacle number three. Uh, is a pirate. Mm-hmm. He's he's standing uh, in front of the path to the the jungle on Flotsam Island. You need to get past him, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he's a vegetarian. So what you do is uh, you carve some tofu into the shape of a drumstick using a knife that you pull out of a wheel of cheese and some uh, some pink dye. 
and trick him into thinking that he has eaten some some turkey and uh, he will become upset and run off so you can get into the jungle. <sighs> that is from Tales of Monkey Island, the one that uh, was done, the 3D one that people were kind of weirded out by that uh, was made with LucasArts and Telltale Games. You see, there was definitely a puzzle in one of those games where you carved like a mask out of tofu. Because I can remember Guybrush wearing this big block of tofu. But I, the idea of there being big, two big tofu gags? Well, no, because it, it, you know, they might have decreed it to be a running joke in inverted commas. <laughs> Damning. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Uh, fourth one. There is a kumquat tree growing in the garden that your friend is stuck in in the future. So in the past, you need to uh, get some red paint to paint the kumquats red. And then George Washington will look out of the window, see what he perceives to be a cherry tree, grow incensed and immediately rush out and cut the tree down. So in the future, there is no tree for your friend to be stuck in. I love kumquats, great fruit. <laughs> That's from Day of the Tentacle. What do you think about that one, Nate? Uh, well, it just sounds like nonsense. <laughs> it all sounds like nonsense. <laughs> See, I, uh, I, know, I know that one, so... See, I... <laughs> That's quite I realised... Yes. I realised just before we recorded this podcast, I was like, oh no, he's played most of the same games. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we know, we know that one's real then. Yeah, that one's okay. real. Okay, all right, final one. Uh, all right, the obstacle is a puddle that is at the edge of a very windy, twisty forest that you will get lost in unless you can follow someone's footprints who knows the way through it. So... You need a maths trophy full of radioactive material to pour into the puddle so that when someone walks through it, they will track glowing green footprints through the forest. Uh, That is from Thimbleweed Park. Now, that actually, that seems fairly straightforward. <laughs> and sensible. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say I'm I'm not buying that one. I think that one's made up because it actually makes sense to it doesn't nauseate me. It doesn't nauseate. So, it's probably real. That was famously one of the the most annoying puzzles in Thimbleweed Park. Oh, oh. Now, you that was either good acting or Mm-hmm. Or you blew it. Um, uh, listen, I never played Clutch in Legionnaire number two. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, th- this is one for the Foreign Legion, Matthew. What? <laughs> we look, I, I have played Thimbleweed Park, but I it's so dense with puzzles that I don't remember the specifics. The idea of following someone through a confusing thing that's been in so many point and click games. I swear, I've 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 seen that in. In several, so ah, uh, that's tricky. The, the 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 teddy bear one is to me sounds sounds bogus, but then I don't know why you'd make it up for such an obscure game. Um, it's not an obscure game. Well, I've, I can't. I don't think I've even heard of it. 
Legends of Clarandia. There were three three of them, and in the second one, uh, you were chasing uh, literally a, ha- a giant hand <laughs> that <laughs> that had been cut off an evil wizard, and it was like the size of a man, and in, in, well, it was wearing like a white a, glove, a bogus point and click like a. <laughs> Honestly, that game sounds such a fever dream. I think if I was you thinking <clears throat> where is going to be the most fertile ground for bullshit, I would have picked that. So I'm, I think we're we're definitely safe with the the teddy and the T Rex. Mm-hmm. Um. So you say you? I th- I think I think that I think the tofu. I think the 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 is it tofu or tofu? I never know. Tof- tofu. 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 Um, I think that I think tofu is you meddling with the ingredients of another puzzle. I don't think that's real. Interesting. Well, what? Hang on. Well, I'm going to jump on the T Rex. So you think the T Rex is fake, no? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. And Matthew, you're you're gonna the tofu chicken leg. It just it just doesn't it doesn't sound right to me. It's a turkey leg. Turkey leg. Um, all right, who wants to go first? I'll happily go. Um, I'll happily I'm ready go. to die. Go oh, on then. Yeah, we're, both are. we're both ready. Yeah, let's go. Your choice. All right. Uh, Matthew, you step confidently forward towards the, the vegetarian pirate blocking your path. Uh, and through him, because he was fake. Well done. Uh... Uh, Nate, you have been uh, eaten by a T-Rex. <laughs> Oh, that was real. I've been consumed. Sorry, Nate. <laughs> what was that? No, other... it's cool. It's it's how I wanted to go. How's the other... what was the other fake one then? There was only one fake one. Oh right. Oh, so Nate was basically doomed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. And you were exactly right, Matthew. I'm kicking myself. There's a puzzle in um uh. I think it's one of the Monkey Island games, maybe the third one, where you have to make a mask out of tofu to sacrifice uh, to a vegetarian volcano. Sounds about right. Um, But you give the volcano cheese, which agitates it because it's lactose intolerant, and then it erupts. Um, Cut to 15-year-old me laughing my ass off. (laughs) Zany. (laughs) Uh, get up oh, in I'm my so cabin. Cruel to Monkey Island. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. Right, get out. I will tolerate no Monkey Island slander on this podcast, Nate. Fair. Uh, let there be peace. <laughs> well done, Matthew. I should have known better than to try and make a cabin about point and click games. Well, I hadn't even heard of some of those games, so there you go. Yeah, I'm, I... a f- I'm a f- I'm a phony. It's big fat phony. Um, that is about all we have time for on this week's uh, Electronic Wireless Show, apart from recommendations, because every week we recommend something that is not a video game. Uh, Matthew, what have you got to recommend this week? Uh, I don't think I've recommended this before. We just finished watching Dope Sick on Disney+, Plus, which is about uh, the rise and spread of um, OxyContin, which doesn't sound like a um, hilarious concept for a show. Oh, it's not a comedy. <laughs> it's not meant to be. It's a drama. Um, but based on a journalist's account of of basically the, the, the kind of district attorneys who went after 
uh, big pharma to try and stop the spread of this this drug and um you know maybe a little um uh kind of um worthy but uh i i know very little about the opioid crisis in in the states and i didn't really have any idea of, of like what a part like farmer played in that i just assumed it was like dodgy dudes making meth in caravans um and it's not it turns out to be like a huge corporate exercise where they basically change the character of a nation it's terrible <laughs> of course <laughs> sounds all right though yeah <laughs> uh, i'm gonna recommend um the film belfast oh um yeah uh which is ken ken branner's um new film uh there's Oscar buzz about it. I wouldn't necessarily give it the amount of Oscar buzz that it's had, but it is good. Um, the, the trailer it, looked mawkish. It's when it's sometimes sometimes mawkish. It's based on um, his life, um, kinda, because um, it's um, he he was born in Belfast and then he left when he was about nine years old in 1969, um, with his his family all 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 left and it and the the film starts with um, a riot coming down his street because um, there are some Catholics living on his street and some uh, some Protestant rioters want to intimidate them, uh, and that's kind of the start of the film and then the rest of the film is sort of uh, a kind of family drama about you know wanting to stay and wanting to leave and and it's it's got some very interesting direction it's very kind of theatrical there's a lot of like static cameras um with people moving within a shot kind of thing and um deliberately very westerny at sometimes and it, there is a little bit of every so often, like, you know, Jamie Dornan will look down the barrel of the camera and say, like, but really there's no difference between Catholics and Protestants. Um, but uh, otherwise, I, I thought it was very enjoyable. And the little guy, the little lad who plays the the version of Kenneth Branagh um, is very good. So mm. that's my recommendation. Nate, what I'm have you got this recommend, week? Yeah, a, a website, uh, superprof dot co dot uk uh it's very simple it's a site for finding uh private tutors in pretty much anything you could want to learn about um ashley spent a lot of last year learning uh korean um but she'd got to the point where she was getting real diminishing returns from the green owl um and i'd got her a couple of textbooks for christmas but i think um well, she said, you know, she really wanted just to talk to someone. So I, I looked on this site and uh, got her a, a Korean tutor in, in Leeds who she can talk to via the old thinking telly. Um, very reasonably priced, very easy to arrange. Uh, I'm I'm thinking of hiring a human to teach me Latin um, so I can be more like the Romans of old. It's good. Mm-mm. lovely uh, well thank you very much for those recommendations and thank you listener for listening to the electronic wireless show for another week this was the best inventories in games special um, please remember to start tweeting and commenting on Henry Cavill's Instagram posts uh, to tell him to come on the show 
uh, or become an avid listener or both. Um, uh, but that's it for this week. Uh, do remember that you can look up Rock Paper Shotgun on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. Just search for Rock Paper Shotgun. Uh, check out the Discord, check out the merch store and you can email us at podcast at rockpapershotgun.com but for all your PC gaming needs just go to www.rockpapershotgun.com uh, and until next week, it's goodbye from me, Alice Bell it's goodbye from Matthew Castle uh, Rubber Chicken <laughs> Goodbye And it's goodbye from Nate Crowley, Mr. Bags Mine bags are empty okay. Goodbye Farewell <laughs> <laughs>